In the fall issue of the Activate magazine, the cover story is that of Sydney and her transformative missions trip to Puerto Rico with Life Church Youth this summer. But that's just one of the many life-changing stories that came out of NextGen's partnership with Greater this summer. In May, Life Church Youth raised over $12,000 by doing various service projects for Life Church attenders and our surrounding communities through our 10K Day initiative. At the same time, our Life Kids hosted a fun run that raised over $10,000 for missions. A lot of Life Church families participated, including the Moon family. We ran to the family fun run, so it was a good way to help raise money for BGMC, which stands for Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge, so they can get, kids in Haiti can get food, water, and shelter, and to learn about God. Then, of course, we had summer camp. Both Life Kids and Life Church youth brought record amounts of students, thanks in large part to your generosity. Many of those students were able to attend camp and experience Christ in a real way because of the scholarships provided to their families through Greater. After Life Church Youth's missions trip to Puerto Rico, they did local missions work by participating in Serve MKE. They helped our local community and played a big role in the success of our second annual Vacation Bible School at the Milwaukee campus. We saw over 40 decisions for Christ at that VBS, and we want to say thank you to all the youth and volunteers who helped provide that opportunity for children in that community. clear why we chose to highlight some of the work our next gen did to further the kingdom over the summer, but we aren't stopping now. We have many more missions initiatives happening over the remainder of the year, including another fun run happening at the Appleton campus this very Sunday. Thank you for supporting Greater and our efforts to make a difference in the next generation. That's awesome. Congratulations, thank you. Thanks for your generosity, for all your kindness, and for all that you're doing around the corner, around the world. And again, I know that they mentioned this, but this Activate magazine, it kind of highlights even some of the students. And this is uh, uh, Sydney Matthews on the front cover. And uh, her dad, George, will be happy to know that on that article right there, she's wearing a Duke University shirt. And so uh, he's going to love that, that I just said that right there as well. So. Anyhow, that's a good, 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 good stuff. I just want to say thank you too, kind of as a greater update. What, at Life Church, what we do is obedience is about bringing tithe that belongs to God. Everything beyond that is about generosity. And so that's kind of where we, we say kind of that 11% is where the generosity really begins. And you are so incredible, Life Church, at all of our campuses, all of our locations. Last month, there's going to be a slide that's going to come up. You gave over $49,338.92 to greater, year to date, we're at $547,842.62. So I just want to say a big thank you for your generosity, uh, for your giving, for your faithfulness as we're coming to this last big stretch. I'm really, we're, our goal this year is to do 1.1 million uh, around the corner, around the world. That means those resources aren't staying here, they're going out. And, uh, and because of your generosity, we are able to do what we're able to do. So I just want to say thanks. I'm not taking a special offering. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just simply saying thank you. And I want to welcome all of our campuses today. Can we do that? Our Germantown campus, Appleton campus, Brookfield campus, Milwaukee campus. Online, wherever you're connecting, wherever you're a part of, 
we're so glad that you're with us and that you're connecting with us today. And so this week and next week, I, uh, I'm doing kind of a two-part series, uh, if you would, just kind of a go fight win, kind of a vision for the fall. And this sermon is being shown at every campus, online. This is kind of a, a deal. And, and so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, uh, it'll be on the screen when we get there. But John, chapter 6. And... Um, this is, in full disclosure, and I try to do this, I'm in a lot of meetings, I have a lot of conversations, I'm in a lot of services, and uh, I was in one back in the springtime, and Nate Roosh, who's a senior pastor at Emmanuel Christian Church, Christian Center in Minneapolis, uh, gave a, a kind of a talk that just kind of inspired what I'm going to talk about today. And... Um, and kind of placed an, an, a thought in my mind that's kind of been uh, just kind of going over and over and over in the rotisserie of my own spirit for the last probably six months. And there's been several times I've thought, I, I want to share this. And, I, and it's like, no, it's not right. And I, I'm going to preach this. No, it's just not the right time. This is something. And, and as I was preparing for what I'm doing this week and next week, and I hope, you, hope you'll be back with us next week, because I want to talk today about your individual part and what I believe God's going to do in this 20, uh, 2019, 2020 year at Life Church and, and in every community that we're serving. And next week, I want to talk about how we as a church get involved. Again, it's not, I'm not asking for any money. I'm not asking for a commitment. This is really about your heart. This is really about you. Uh, you may hope I was asking for money when I get done with this, but, uh, but, but I, I, this has just been going over and over and over in my own spirit. And so I, I want to share with you today just kind of, of this and then next week, I feel like this is what God's asking of us as a church individually. I feel like this is what God's asking of you as a Christ follower, as a part of Life Church individually. Every one of us are called into ministry. We know this according to the book of Ephesians. We're either called into the marketplace or we're called into vocational ministry. Marketplace is that is the company that you work for kind of pays for your ministry or, or vocational. You're a, a pastor or you're a missionary or you're a youth pastor or you're on staff at a church or, or a Christian organization. That's kind of what you do. Uh, we're all here called to serve together, but we're all called. And so I sense that this is a direction that God is moving us in, and I think he's asking something of us or of you individually. I don't like to say you. I don't want to sound condescending. I, want, I don't want to preach down to you if that makes any sense. But if you would give me just a little bit of latitude, and if I go, hey, it's you, it's you, I, I could just easily say me. Does that make sense? Right? For every one finger pointing towards you, there's three pointing back at me. Is that good? Is everybody with me? All right, I don't want to get offended. Don't send me any emails of how harsh I am or whatever. But, but, but I, I, I just, I think this is where, where, we, where we are. One more thing, and then I'm going to get right into this passage. You've got to know this about me. I, I, I love directness. Candor is one of the, val I know I'm, I'm weird. Candor is one of the values that I have in my life. I, I, I would much rather someone come and tell me something that they're thinking or that they're feeling rather than to feel it and just kind of bury it. Um, and so confrontation, quite frankly, is not something that's off-putting to me. As long as it's done in the right spirit and the right heart, I'd much rather just someone just, hey, just tell me than in the right time and the right spirit and the right attitude than they would feel something and not communicate it. And so sometimes uh, it's kind of like uh, if you're playing football or you're playing a sport, but I just go back to football. When the, when the coach grabs you by the face mask and probably uses a few choice words too that I won't use and tells you what he wants you to do and then puts you back in for the next play, there's no question what he wants you to do. It's just 
very straightforward. And I think this passage is very much that way. I think it is one of those that just kind of communicates very, 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 very quickly and very personally kind of gets hits home. But it's a passage that you read before, but it's seen it from a completely different perspective. So John's gospel, chapter number six, starting in verse one, I'm gonna read the first 15 verses and we're gonna unpack that. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So Tiberias, actually, if you go with me to Israel and at the first of the year, we're going to be staying in Tiberias right there on the Sea of Galilee. And the reason why we're staying at the hotel that we're staying at is because that's the only place in that area you can get bacon. I'm just letting you know that, all right? It's a true story. I found out last time the hard way. So this time I said that's the one request that I have. Secondly, there, second verse, there was a great multitude that followed Jesus because they saw his signs, which he had performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming towards him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he, Jesus himself, knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. And that's with every one of them may have just a little. Verse 8, so one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. And now there was grass in that place. And so the men sat down and the number of them were 5,000, which mean, meant there were women and children that aren't even counted in this 5,000. So probably somewhere between 12 to 20,000 people that were there that day. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. Again, this is one of the reasons why I love following Jesus. No one ever is hungry. Amen. So verse 12, and so then they gathered, when, when, they, when they were all filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And, and therefore they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley, from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men who had seen the sign that Jesus did said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Look back at verse 11. This is kind of the key verse of this whole story, this whole account. Jesus took the, took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for this word that you put in my heart. I thank you, Lord, for how it's processed in my own heart. And I pray, Lord, as I communicate your word and this truth that's so simple, but yet so profound. God, let us respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to notice here, I mean, you've read the story, you've heard the story. If you've been VBS, they did the story this summer. This is not an uncommon story. And, and some of you may be checking out, but here's what I want you to do. What's interesting about the bread is in scripture, bread is symbolic for the body. That's why we use bread in communion. That's why Jesus at the Last Supper takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to the disciples. And he says, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So bread in scripture is symbolic of the body. It's symbolic of flesh. It's symbolic of people. It's symbolic of humanity. Jesus asked this basic question to Philip, knowing Philip's not gonna have an answer. 
How are we going to deal with this? How are we going to feed them? And, and that would have been a staple in that day and time. Uh, fish would have been a luxury uh, to a certain degree, but bread would have been the staple. And so how are we going to do this? And so we ask of them, and then, and then, and then Simon, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, basically says, hey, there's a, there's a kid that's got this, this lunch, and, and he, has, he has five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus immediately knows exactly what he's going to do. And again, he knows what's going to happen. He's God, and so he begins to. But what he does is he... He does something with the bread that I want you to focus in on. But I want you not just to focus in on the bread. I want you to understand that bread, especially in the New Testament, is symbolic of the body, of the flesh, of you and of me. And I want you to see what he does in verse 11. He tells us what he does, but I want to walk through this. And I want you to think for a minute, this is what I think God wants out of me out of you, out of us individually, not corporately, not as an entire congregation, but individually. The first thing that he does is he took the bread. He took the bread. Jesus, when, 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 this, when these five loaves are there and the fish are there, he takes the bread. Now the bread's first gotta be given before it's taken. And, and this is where you come in. This is your involvement. This is your action. This is your choice. This is about trust. This is about relationship. This is about surrender. This is about you saying, God, here I am. Take me. Here's my life. Take it. Here, it's, it's not my own. Take it. So if you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you did this at salvation. You said, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. We're giving of ourselves to him. So that's what happens at salvation. But guess what? I don't know about you, but as I walk this journey and as I follow Jesus, there are many times along the path that he asks, hey, I need this now. Hey, I have need of this now. Hey, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the, the give ups that we find in Mark's gospel alone. I have need of this out of you. And it's God not asking of us of our money or of our time or our talent, or our treasure, but he's asking of us. Because quite, quite frankly, in our social demographic, most of us, it's much easier for us to give of our money than it is to even give of our time, or to give of my time more than I give of me. Because me is the most personal, intimate thing I'm going to give you. Me is something that money can't buy. Me is something that's priceless. Me is something I will spend unreal amounts of money on healthcare and beauty products and all these things taking care of me. How are you so confident of that, Aaron? Because Jesus says you need to love your neighbor as whom? You love your mom? No. You love your dad? No. You love your brother and sister? No, you know that's not right. He says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the first thing that we see is that Jesus takes the bread. And if we are going to be what God wants us to be in our lives as Christ followers, and I believe in this season of ministry, as people at Life Church, serving and working, not just here, but serving this community around the corner, around the world, I think he's asking us, are we willing to basically step into the plate? 
Are we willing to give of ourselves in an offering? Are we willing to give of ourselves and say, my life's not my own, my past is not my own, my future's not my own, my present's not my own, here I am. Here's my life. But Aaron, I'm 45 and I'm in the middle of life and I've got kids and college bills. I get it. But Aaron, I'm, I'm 22 and I just started this new job. I get it. Hey, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just, my voice just changed and I'm 13 and I got like three chest hairs. I, I get it. Hey, 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 bro, I'm retired. I'm 72. You have breath in your body, don't you? If God truly is the author and the finisher of your life, he has a plan and a purpose for you. And when he's done with that plan and that purpose, he'll take you on to heaven. But until then, you have a, for this reason, I was born. So the first thing we see is us being willing to say, here I am. When, I, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about a, a story by a missionary evangelist, David Grant. David Grant's in his 70s now. I've heard this when I was a kid. He would tell this. Actually, years ago, he came to Life Church. He told the story again, but he was telling he was in India in some, in some city in that vast nation, and they were get, doing an offering, and they were passing the plate, and he noticed that this one young boy uh, actually took the plate and just kind of put it in the, in the aisleway, and he stood in it because he had no money to give, but he gave of himself. And it reminded David Grant when he was a kid growing up in rural Florida how missionary came through and talked about God's call and talked about what God wanted to do. And he had no money and he, he had no anything, but he said, God, I will give you me. And David said, I'm sitting there and I'm seeing this young boy and realizing that's exactly where I was. And that's exactly what God wants. He doesn't really want your money. He's not looking for your talent. He's not an HR headhunter. He wants you. The question is, are you willing to give of you? Are you willing to place yourself in the hands of Jesus? Second thing we see is that he, not only does he take the bread, he blesses the bread. He blessed the bread. Now we know John's gospel says that Jesus only does what he sees the father's doing and that he only does the father's will. And so this blessing and this favor of God, it trumps anything else in your world. I would much rather have the favor of God on my life than I would any strategy, any amount of IQ, any amount of worldly connection, any amount of riches. I would much rather have the wisdom and the favor of God that Solomon prayed for than I would anything else. Why? Because the favor of God trumps anything. And can I just tell you this? Favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. Fairness entered in the garden, but God can choose to do whatever he wants with whomever he wants, whenever he wants. Why? Because he's God. But when he takes something as simple as a loaf of bread and he blesses it, he can feed 5,000 men plus women plus children and have more left over than he began. Why? Because he's God. And the question isn't, can God do it? The question is, do I trust that he can do it? Do I trust that I will put myself in the basket, that I'll put myself out there, that I will let him take me and will I trust him? Now see, it's a whole lot easier for me to say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Because why? Because heaven's not really real right now, isn't it? 
Heaven's not really real because heaven isn't happening today. What's happening today is I got a college football game to watch today. I got an NFL game to watch today. What's happening today is I got a place to eat. I, I, what's happening today is I've got to get ready for, for this class. What's happening today is I got I to gotta take care of, of this for, for, for work day on Monday. Uh, so, so that heaven feels so far away. And so it's so easy for me to say, yeah, sure, somewhere out there over the rainbow, I'll give my life to God and da, 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 da. But what we talk about today is, is in this moment. Do I trust them today? Do I trust them enough with my job? Do I trust them with my finances? Do I trust them with my family? Do I trust them with me? But in every situation, for us to go further, for us to grow, for us to be what God wants us to be, we have to place our lives, our future, our family, our whatever, you fill in the blank, in the hands of Jesus. Say, God, you got to bless this. If you don't bless it, it doesn't work. If your hand's not on it, it doesn't work. So Jesus takes the bread and he blesses the bread. Next thing he does, look at it. He breaks the bread. He broke the bread. He broke the bread. This is where it starts getting scary. You just thought it was getting scary to this point. When does the miracle or the growth happen? When does the food multiply itself? Is it in the giving? Is it in the blessing? Is it in the breaking? It's actually occurring in the breaking. We just don't realize it in the moment. Because if the bread is kept whole, it's only given to one individual out of 5,000. It's got to be broken to be distributed and broken to be distributed and broken to be distributed. And none of us want to be broken, do we? I don't really have time for that. I don't have time on my calendar to be broken. I don't want to be inconvenienced by being broken. Uh, again, we've discussed this, Aaron. I've got things to do. I've got football games to watch. I've got kids to take care of. I've got, I don't really want God to kind of, I just much rather God just tell me what to do and I'll just do it. But that requires no faith. In scripture, you see it over and over and over and over again. To the, de to the degree that God blesses and uses someone is directly related and correlated to the degree in which they're broken. You show me someone who's been broken greatly, I'll show you someone God uses break greatly. You show me someone who hasn't been broken greatly, I will show you someone who will not be used greatly. Nobody wants to be broken. But that's the way of the kingdom. How do we have salvation? We sing all these wonderful songs and we have these beautiful stained glass and we have these beautiful paintings from the Renaissance era and we have all of this stuff about Jesus dying on the cross and doing all this and we have, we have Good Friday services and great fish fries and we have all this stuff. But remember, unless his body was bruised and broken, we don't have salvation rich and free. Unless Jesus is broken, we don't have reconciliation. Unless Jesus is broken, we don't have redemption. Unless Jesus is broken, we are dead in our sin and our transgressions. Unless Jesus is broken, unless Jesus, as he says, dies, we don't have life. 
Our very existence as Christians is all directly connected to the breaking of an individual named Jesus, to the death of an individual named Jesus that had to completely put his hands in the Father's hands. And even at that very end said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But not my will, but your will be done. He prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He dies on the cross for our sins. And then he utters those words, it is finished. And he dies. But that's not the end of the story but he has to be broken for you and for me. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we, if we're gonna be used of God, are gonna always be reduced before God builds us up. We're always gonna have a breaking period and process before there's a growth period and process. It happens over and over and over in scripture. And the question is, are you willing to be broken if that's what it means? What do you mean, Aaron? <laughs> Are you willing to be inconvenienced? Not just for a Saturday serve day, but are you willing to be inconvenienced to say, maybe you got plans for your kids and God's calling them into vocational ministry or your grandkids and God's calling them into vocational ministry. Missionary to Cuba, Danny Irizarry, he's been on this platform before, he's from, he's from San Francisco. He says, I get to see my family, my entire family, my brothers, my sisters, and all of us. And if you know anything about Latin culture, it's very much built around family. Maybe once every three or four years. Because his wife and kids reside, they reside in South Florida because he's not been able to have permanent residency in Cuba. And he goes back and forth constantly, constantly, constantly. I said, well, do you miss your family? He says, absolutely, I miss my family. And he said, but here's how we figure it. And he begins to cry when he'll tell you this is that this is what God has asked of us today. So we surrender that to him today, knowing that when we get to heaven and we will be known as we are known, the Bible says, that we will have all of this time together. There's no downside to this, Aaron. So I miss my family today, but I'm willing to give that up because I know that's what God's calling me to do for the sake of the gospel. Maybe the breaking process means that it's going to reduce something in you. It, God's, going to, God's going to begin to break down some, some barriers that are in your life. Maybe, maybe there's racial issues that are in your life and tensions that are in your life. Maybe, there are, maybe, maybe there's hardness and there's callousness. Maybe, maybe, maybe that callousness is with other people. Maybe it's hurts and pains from the past. I don't want to go there. I've shut that off. I, I don't want to deal with that. But in order for God to use you, he's going to have to deal with those things. Maybe there's strongholds or addictions that have their hold in on your life. And you know it and nobody else knows it. And you're dealing with this in secrecy, but the sin and the issues that you're dealing with, God wants to not just bring those to light, but God wants to help you to work through those so that you're able to be all that he wants you to be. It, it, it's this breaking process in you where things begin to break and it feels like, it feels like things are, uh, again, the, the, the coming apart at the seams. It, it, it feels like there's, there, there's a death. Maybe there's a death to some dream that you have or some idea that you have of what this is gonna look like or what God's plan is for you. And again, God's a good God and he has good plans and he takes what the enemy uses to destroy you and he uses it for your good, but it still doesn't get you a get out of jail free card when it comes to the breaking process that we go through. Again, this isn't popular preaching. This isn't like, hey man, that's great. That's good. Any funny? No, this hurts and it's uncomfortable. 
because we don't want to deal with this part of it. But this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And as a pastor in America, this is where, where, where we miss it. This is where the church misses it. And, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but if you get mad and you get upset and you leave Life Church because I'm not giving you a, a cotton candy Christianity, then there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out, especially if you're a Christ follower. Because the problem in America is the church isn't growing, we're shrinking. Now, there's more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ around the world than we've ever seen before. But in America, we're dying. And we're not dying because we don't have enough Christian books or enough Christian concerts or enough Christian prayer meetings or Christian Bible studies. We got more of that stuff than we know what to do with. Where we're dying is that we're not willing to die to ourselves. We're not willing to be broken to ourselves. We're not willing to put our lives in the hands of Jesus and allow him to bless us and break us in the process. And we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to give up. We want somebody that's going to just tell us it's all going to be okay one day over the rainbow. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing. That's what we want. But the reality is, is that from here to there, we've got to come to the end of us. We've got to come to the end of ourselves. We've got to allow ourselves to be broken so that he can be resurrected in our life. Amen. And the truth of the matter is, is that's where life comes from. That's where, remember, the resurrection there is no resurrection without the death. There is no death without the breaking. There is no breaking without the persecution. There is none of that without Jesus leaving the glory and splendor of heaven and breaking of himself no reputation, clothing himself in humanity and the form and the likeness shed of you and I and humbling himself and giving himself to death, even death on the cross. So Jesus takes the bread. Are you willing to give it to him? He takes your life and he blesses it. That's great. I love, and I want to be blessed. But then he begins to break you. Because he begins to break down the ideas, break down the pride, and break down the ambition, and break down the greed, and break down everything that begins to destroy you and the characters that try to develop. He begins to break you down, not to hurt you, but to help you, to rebuild you into his image and his likeness. Because he knows that what he's asking of you is counterintuitive. And he begins to break you and break you and break you until you don't feel like you can be broken anymore. And then what does he do? What did he do with the bread? Verse 11 says, and he gave it away. Gave it away. It's the last slide that's going to come up. He gave it away. The miracle is realized in that moment. The miracle is realized in the moment when all of a sudden this small lunch turns into five people eating, and a dozen people eating, and a hundred people eating, and 500 people eating, and a thousand people eating, and 2,000, and 3,000 and 4,000, and 5,000, until everybody ate until they were full. And again, don't make it all super spiritual. Well, I'm sure it was like a little wafer cracker and some little, no, no, these were grown men and people are people and they ate until they were full. And then Jesus says, I want you to collect all the fragments. No waste. Why? Because there's 12 times as much at the end than there was at the beginning. Why is that important? Because God's not breaking you to hurt you. God's breaking you to bless you. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? 
I'm not asking you, will you sing songs about trust? I'm not asking you, will you go to Bible studies about trust? I'm not asking you, will you come to a service about trust? I'm not asking you, will you sign a card and say you trust him? You're gonna trust him by your actions or not. Look, you're not following me. You're following him. The same thing I'm saying to you is the same thing he's asking of me. That's why this summer, this summer was a process of me going, God, here this is. Here this is. I don't get it, but here it is. And then God blessing some things in ways that I was blown out, blown away. And then God beginning to break it and 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 break it. break it. I was in a hotel room. It was 4 a.m. in the morning. Tammy and I were together and I woke up, I mean, out of a dead sleep. And I was just in the middle of this process. And it was immediately, it was like, and I'm just not the spiritual, so don't think I do this all the time because I, I don't do this. Trust me, please. It was four in the morning. I woke up from a dead sleep. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go and pray. So I did. Again, I lost my rights a long time ago. We're not in my car, we're in Tammy's car. I'm trying not to bother her. She's out like a light. And, and so I'm finding her purse in the darkness. And you know how that is. You're stumbling over stuff and hitting stuff. And I'm reaching her in her purse and finding her key fob. And, and then I'm literally, I'm in, I'm in just a, a T-shirt and, and slip on some, some tennis shoes and some shorts. And I have a ball cap. And, and I go downstairs and I go out to the car and I, and I drive until I, I see this church. It's four in the morning. And I'm praying to God and nobody sees me. Not because of the way I'm dressed, because of what I'm about to do. And so I pull in and there's this huge cross that's lit and this grass that's in front of this cross. I set my car. I said, okay, I'm here. What do you want me to do? And I, I'm telling you, like, I just know the voice of God. Not any different than you do. I get out of my car and I'm thinking, oh dear God, this is a big church and I hope there's no security cameras, I hope there's no security people around here. These people are gonna think I'm crazy. And I get on my knees in that wet grass at 4.15 in the morning and I said, God, I will do whatever you want. I gave my rights up a long time ago. But this breaking process is breaking and reducing me in a way I don't know what else to do. And it was in that moment where the Holy Spirit, you could just sense the Holy Spirit and he was just there. And I mean, this has been a process, man, just, just going and going and going. Because the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Everything I've been preaching to you, I'm telling you, I've been living it. Some people are going, man, he preaches like a man on fire because I've been walking that stuff out. Knowing that God's doing this. And again, there on that wet grass, it's again, it's one of those things, Aaron, will you give me you? God, I'll give you me. I'll give you my wife. I'll give you my kids. I'll give you everything that I have. Aaron, will you trust me to let me bless your life? God, I will trust you to let you bless everything that my hand touches. And, 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 and Aaron, I'm gonna break you and reduce you in a way it's gonna be uncomfortable. And God, I don't want that, but not my will, but your will be done. And then you're going to be given away in a way that's beyond you. 
An hour and a half later, I get up, get in my car, and I'm just writing and writing and writing in the journal I've been keeping. And this is what I sense. That this is what God wants to do in us. See, God wasn't wanting me to go anywhere else or do anything else. It wasn't about time or space. It's not about an address. It's not about a place. It's not about an assignment. It's about me. It's about me. It's about you. Can I tell you every weekend I have preached since August, every weekend there has been this heaviness on me every weekend. It's like this funk. It's like this deal. It's like every demon in hell wants to fight against everything I'm doing. The last thing I want to do is to stand up and preach. The last thing I do is feel worthy to stand up and preach. It's this, but then during the week I get people cards, man, I can't imagine. This was amazing. This was awesome. Preach like a man on fire. And I'm thinking, dude, I feel like I am on fire. Like I just wish I was on fire, right? I mean, I just wish I was done. Cause I mean, I'm just telling you like I'm spent. Because it's that process. And this is what I think God wants to do in us. It's what he wants to do in you. It's what he wants to do in me. It's what he's doing in me. And God will always take you as a leader before he takes the people that you're leading. Because if you can't lead and go, then you have no integrity in which to lead anyone. And you cannot take anyone where you've never been and you cannot give people what you do not possess. And this is what I believe. I think this is what God wants to do. He wants to take you just as you are. Are you willing to put your, hand, put your life in the hands of Jesus? Not just in the sweet by and by, but I'm talking about the here and now. He wants to bless you right where you are. And then he's gonna break you. And I don't know what that means for you. I know what it's meant for me. I don't know what it means for you, but he's gonna break you, but not to hurt you, not to destroy you, but to build you greater than before. He always reduces every time. It's this reduction before, and then he wants to give you away. But at the end of your life, at the end of the day, that's when you're gonna see the miracle happen. But the miracle does not happen unless the bread's put in the hands of Jesus. The miracle doesn't happen unless Jesus blesses the bread. The miracle doesn't happen unless he breaks it. The miracle doesn't happen unless he gives it away. But once the bread's given and once the bread is blessed and once the bread is broken and once the bread is given away, then the miracle happens. Then people stand back and go, my God, what has happened? This is amazing. This is awesome. Look at what God's done in your life. Look at what he's done here. Look at where he's brought you. Look at what he's done with your marriage. Look at what he's done with your business. Look at what he's done with your kids. But they don't know the road. They don't know that broken road that brought you to that place. But you do. You do. That's why the old saints used to sing, I wouldn't take anything from my journey now. I don't want to go back through it, but I wouldn't take anything for it. And my question today is, are you willing to place whatever it is, your life, your business, your marriage, your future, your past, your sin, whatever it is in the hands of Jesus? Salvation, maybe you need to give him your life. Rededication, you've been playing games with God and you're sitting on the sidelines and you're, it's like you're at a football game and you're watching all the action on the field, but you are not called to be people in the stands. You're called to be players on the field. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you go, man, I am broke as a joke. I don't know how much broke I, more broke I can get. But God's saying, will you give me what you have? 
So here's what I want to do. At the Appleton campus, at the Brookfield campus, at the Germantown campus, at the Milwaukee campus, even online, as a sign of surrender, I'm going to ask you to do something. In just a minute, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. And then I'm going to ask you, if you are willing, not anybody else, you, if you're willing to take your life and put it in the hands of Jesus, whether that means salvation for you, rededication for you, and you're willing to do that and let him take you and bless you and break you and give you away and do the miracle that he wants to do in your life. In a minute, when I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes at every campus, I'm gonna ask you to stand. And then I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me. So would everybody bow their head and close their eyes? Just out of reverence, this is a moment for you. And if you don't sense anything, then that's just, just sit there until this gets through. It won't take more than 120 seconds, I promise. But at every campus, even if you're watching online, if you're saying, I'm willing to put my life, to give my life so that Jesus will take it and bless it and break it and give it away to see the miracle that he wants to see happen in me, not just in Life Church, in me. This isn't about Life Church, it's about you. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Every campus right now, every place right now, no one else, it's just you. This is you and the Lord. This isn't anyone else. This isn't your brother or your father or your sister or, or your brother. This is just you. This isn't your spouse. This is you. If you can't stand, I get that. Maybe you're medically, you're in a situation where you can't, that's okay. But, 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 but you're standing in your heart. But if you have the ability to stand and you're saying, I'm willing to do that, even if you're watching online, just stand right where you are. Even if you're on a treadmill and you're watching this, just stop the treadmill and stand where you are in that moment. Just stand. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Just stand. And I want you to pray this prayer with me at the Appleton campus, at the Brookfield campus, at the Germantown campus, at the Milwaukee campus. I want you to pray this. Jesus, say it, I mean loud. Jesus, I give you my life today. All that I am, my past, my present, my future. And I ask that you would take my life and that you would bless it. Not for my benefit, not for my will, but your will. I surrender my life to you, Jesus, to be broken in your hands. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on this earth in my life as it is in heaven. And I give you my life and I ask, let it be used for your glory. Not for me, not for my benefit. I crucify my flesh. I take up my cross and I follow you today. I place me in your hands today. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every single person that's prayed that prayer. That's a bold, audacious prayer to pray. God, I pray that you would take them. God, I pray you would bless them. God, I pray, God, for your glory that you would break them. And God, that you would use them and give them away, give their life away 
in such a way that the miracles of God are revealed. I pray that people, Lord, around the corner and around the world will come to faith in you, Jesus, because of this commitment today. That they'll be because of this surrender today. I pray, God, that your blessings would be upon each and every individual. As they walk this process out, it will be different for all of us. But I pray that your spirit, let your strength, let your power, let your peace that passes understanding. God, I pray be with them today and always in Jesus' name. Amen.